I started to realize is that my highest margin deals were coming from SEO. Hmm. So that's the other thing that you have to say, okay, well, if this is the most efficient way to get me in front of my target audience, well, how do I get more, more leads? How do and I scale it? How do you scale it? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the challenges with SEO is it's kind of mystical and it's, it's, well, I hire somebody to do SEO, but you know, if I'm not getting results, well, what's the problem? Hey friends, you're listening to the CarrotCast podcast where we help investors and agents like yourself build businesses of freedom and impact. I'm your host, Brady Winder. And today I have with me longtime Carrot.com customer and Carrot Camp alumni, Mr. Mike Otranto. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. What's up, Brady? Great to be here. Doing good, man. Thanks for joining us. So, yeah, definitely. so we're talking about dial-in online marketing. It's SEO month at Carrot, uh, first month of the year, and we want to help you get your SEO dialed in because this is a long game. So uh, we've hit a couple other SEO topics during the month. Today, we're talking about the ROI of SEO. And the reason why I brought Mike onto the podcast is because he looks at his marketing in a very analytical way where a lot of investors, they just you know, they get some money from a deal and say, oh, I got five grand, 10 grand to play with. I'm going to throw it at PPC. I'm going to throw it at TV. I'm going to see if it works and are not always as good with the follow-up and evaluating that to see, okay, did it work? Why did it work? Why did it not work? Um, what was my close ratio on that? And so uh, Mike's really organized in that way. And I like the way that he looks at the math behind marketing. And so that's what we're going to talk about is, is really um, math over emotion when it comes to spending your marketing dollars wisely. Um, and specifically with SEO and what he's done with SEO to be effective and why it makes sense versus other marketing channels and um, a few other things. So it's going to be a good conversation. Hope you guys enjoy. But um, yeah, Mike, uh, give us a little bit of background. Like how'd you, you know, how'd you get to where you are? What's your, your real estate origin story, if you will? My real estate origin story is it really started in around 2000, 2001 when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, I already knew that I hated working for large companies. So, um, you know, I just started, uh, you know, buying more books and then trying to get into it. I think I bought a couple of courses. Um, and eventually I hooked up with a guy that I knew uh, from where I grew up in Staten Island, New York. And I started to call him and he kept telling me, you know, come down to North Carolina. It's so much easier. Raleigh's a great market, you know, and eventually I followed him down. I started doing uh, buy and hold real estate and general brokerage. Um, and, you know, by the time I got up to about 40 units and these were, you know, fourplexes, sixplexes, multifamily. Um, unfortunately, around 2009, a lot of stuff was losing money. Mm -hmm. So I had to basically come up with an alternative strategy and figure out a better way uh, to invest. In addition, I had to get a job and join corporate America. So I started to rebuild on the side. I started to do some wholesaling just to get started. And, you know, the more I got into social media digital aspects of marketing um, and how uh, emerging they were and how effective they could be. That's where I kind of started on my journey throughout the teens to say, all right, well, let me skip the MLS and let me skip the brokers and the realtors and let me go direct to consumer and try and buy houses that way. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I joined Carrot in 2016 and almost immediately I started to see more converted leads come to me 
through the carrot website. And then I said, well, how do I get more leads? Well, you know, now let's, let's start the SEO conversation, the paid search conversation and all that stuff. But once I, I started to figure it out, uh, I went full time in the late teens, 2018. And then, you know, I've been a full time investor ever since. So I do fix and flip, buy and hold and a little bit of wholesaling. Okay, nice. Would you consider yourself, uh, like what's the scale as far as tech savvy, um, um, the funny thing about tech savviness is that, um, you know, there are a lot of people, especially in real estate that are not tech savvy at all. Um, they're very mm-hmm. traditional in their mindset. I think they're, they're very well behind the tech curve. So I'm well ahead of them, but then there are some people that are very high on the tech curve, uh, that know a lot more than me. So, uh, I guess I'm, I'm an advanced, I'm advanced on the tech curve, but I have to stay humble because there's always new things that I don't know about and new, new types of software and just new trends that, you know, I might not oh, even yeah. be aware of. So, Yeah. Things are always changing. You know, the algorithm is always yeah. making little improvements and changes. It's something we got to uh, be aware of. Yes. Oh, cool, man. Um, what's the, I want to ask you one question before we get started. What, what's the best thing you've, like, what's the best hack you've ever done to generate leads? Has there ever been one thing where you're like, holy crap, man, this, this really worked for me? Like a strategy or a thing you started doing, you know, over the past six years where like, this is killing it for me. I would say the website. Um and I would say a carrot website, um, you know, I've been a, it, it's rare for me to find a brand that I believe in so much that I, I would stay with it for, I mean, carrot is what, eight years now, seven years. Um, and the thing is, is that with the carrot website, it's designed for real estate investors to convert leads. That's what it's for. Um, a lot of other agents that will, you know, once I start talking to them and they visit my website, they're like, oh, is this your website? Hmm. I don't, I don't know about Then The funny thing is they don't like it, but the thing is, is that they're designed to work subordinate to these big franchise names and their websites don't get them any business because it's not what it's for. It's there to build the franchise brand. My business mm-hmm. is designed to get me in front of my customers directly and buy houses directly from mm-hmm. them. That's its purpose. That's what it's for. So I'm not interested in subjectivity of I want green here, red here, what converts, what uh, builds authority in my local market, what uh, allows me to provide tangible evidence that I'm a trustworthy business person um, and will allow me to buy houses directly from my customers. And that's that's its purpose. And it does it. It does the, that one thing very well. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, I promise I genuinely wasn't teeing that up to say, let me get you to say something good about carrot, but I appreciate it. That's, you know, Mm -hmm. um, thank you for that. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, especially looking at agent websites. It's like, I never thought about that. It's building Mm -hmm. a commercial brand versus your local brand. Yes. And there's a difference. There's a big difference. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about ROI of marketing. So, um, tell me about kind of just first holistically your approach to marketing and how you, how do you decide which channels to go with? Like, how do you measure the effectiveness of your marketing and hopefully not lose tons of money? Um, since I do have a background in corporate sales, um, you know, I did learn that they, they want to look at their salespeople, see how productive they are and say, all right, well, how many leads did you get? Or how many calls did you make? How many, now there's an intermediary there. How many opportunities did you have? And out of those opportunities, how many of those did you convert? So you have Mm -hmm. kind of three pieces of data using addition and, uh, division to come up with some percentages. But, um, I started measuring things like uh, even my bandit signs in the early teens. I would say, all right, well, how many signs did I put out this month? Did I put out 100 signs? Okay, well, how many calls did I get? Well, I got 30 calls. All right, well, 
out of all those calls, how many of them were actual leads? And then you start coming up with numbers like five and six or seven. Um, and then out of all those leads, uh, how many deals did I get? And then you would get like one or two and it was every other month. It wasn't quite as consistent. And what I started to learn is that when I have when the bulk of the calls that I'm getting are people complaining about the signs, I have to conclude that that is not the most effective way to get in front of my target market. Hmm. So when you start doing things like direct mail, I would say, all right, well, how many pieces did I send out? How many calls did I get? Um, and I would notice this real volatility in the amount of calls that I would get versus leads because a lot of people would call up to complain about the fact that I sent them a letter. And I'm like, this is not who I want to talk to. But sometimes I would get deals from it. So what I started to notice with uh, people that found my website organically, especially in the beginning when I was uh, doing my SEO and it was starting to gain momentum in the late teens, I started to notice that I didn't have to do a lot of selling and a lot of negotiating. They wanted someone that they knew and they trusted. Money was not the most important thing for them. They just wanted a very smooth, easy transaction. And that allowed me to provide service in exchange for a discount where everyone was happy. I got my profit. They got their smooth, easy transaction. Um, and I, I mean, it was just easier. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the, you know, at the end of, uh, let's say a year, I'll say, well, how many leads did I get for the year? Well, um, all those leads did come to me from my website, but how did they come to my website? Did they uh, get a postcard from me? Did they come via paid search or did they come via SEO? Now, in the last couple of years, Carrot started um, tracking the the source. You'll see either Google search, you'll see sometimes Bing or DuckDuckGo, and you also see paid search campaign. So that allows me to delineate how or delineate by channel. Is it paid search mm -hmm. or I use the category organic because whether or not they came via Bing, Google, or DuckDuckGo, I'm not as concerned with that. I'm more concerned with SEO or paid search because how do I most efficiently allocate my marketing dollars based on channel? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So. It's more than just online. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I like how you mentioned, it's not just the, how many deals did I close from this channel, but it's like, how much time did that take me? Like where mm -hmm. there's this underlying sense of like, where's my energy and my time going? Do I, yes. even if I am closing a bunch of deals from just for example, direct mail or cold calling, it's like, do I really want to spend, if it's working that much time addressing the people that want my sign out of their yard or business, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the, the way I look at it is, well, you take your total spend for the period, which is usually a year, but I'll also do it by quarter. Uh, then take how many leads you got and then got how many deals you close. So you, know, you take your total mm -hmm. spend divided by the amount of leads and that'll give you a cost per lead. Uh, and also you want to get, well, what does my cost per lead really need to be to be efficient? Um, I also look at, you know, the amount of deals I close. So how many leads do I need to close one deal? So that's really a conversion rate is really what that is. Right. Um, and then I'll measure something else called a cost per deal. What did it cost me to close this deal? Mm -hmm. Now at the best of the best from SEO, I think it was about a thousand to 1500 hours cost per deal. Um, and when I compare that alongside paid search, paid search has always been higher. You know, anywhere from 2,500 mm -hmm. to 7,000, just depending. I mean, there's a lot of variables there. But what I what really uh, dawned on me is, well, what's my – so I will buy houses from wholesalers. I will do that. Yeah. But what's my average assignment fee? You're looking at at least – Yeah, 10, I was right? going to say, what's your – yeah, your average profit per deal. 
So, I yeah. mean, even if, if paid search has cost me 6600 I mean, I have to say to myself, well, how many wholesalers out there are satisfied with $6,600? Mm-hmm. Therefore, my direct marketing uh, endeavors are more efficient. So what's your, you know, like in, in our marketing uh, for care, we're usually looking to get a four to five, we call LTV to CAC, lifetime value of a mm-hmm. customer to customer acquisition costs. Anyways, don't mm-hmm. want to get too deep here, but it's a, it's a four to one return on your ad spend yeah, um, or, or more. That's kind of the minimum. So you're looking at like two to one, two to four to one, at least that seems to be mm-hmm. your range. Like two to yeah. one is acceptable, but four to one, you can usually predictably pull out uh, for SEO leads. If you're talking like maybe 2,500 bucks or so, 15, 2,500 uh, put into the SEO efforts and then, you know, a $10,000 assignment fee. Is that about right? Well, the way I'll do it is, uh, you know, I'm familiar with the the two to one or the four to one ratio. Um, when I really started to compile the data and I started to see things, how SEO always year year after year would beat out um, the other channels based on, uh, let's say, conversion rate. Uh, so last year was I converted one out of seven point two five leads. So that's a very high mm-hmm. conversion rate. Um, and when I look at my cost per lead, it's always been under $300 in the SEO world. Uh, the other thing is the cost per deal was about you know, $1,000, uh, Depending on the vendor that you use, it could be up, upwards of $2,000. But the other thing that really stood out to me was my highest margin deals. Um, for example, this year I closed out a flip where at closing I got $272,000 back and Trevor was nice Sheesh. enough to have me jump on, uh, <laughs> the carrot cast, not the, this is the carrot cast, but the, uh, the, the annual summit, the carrot summit, oh, yeah. I jumped on on uh-huh. the end. And cause what happened was when I got the, um, I, I sent him something via Instagram and I said, Hey, check this out. This was an SEO. You know, I'm happy to oh, brag okay. about it. It's coming back to me now. Yeah, I'm remembering. I sent yeah, it yeah. To him. He's like, yeah, yeah, come on, tell us about it. And I told him about it. And it's like this great deal. She was happy with the $275,000 purchase price. I put 150 into it and my net was about 150. And since I funded the repairs, I got about $272,000 back at closing because I sold it at 651. Now the person Jeez. that I bought it from, she knew I sold it for $650,000 because I let her tour the property once I was done with it and she was perfectly happy. So the other thing that I started to realize is that my highest margin deals were coming from SEO. Hmm. So that's the other thing that you have to say, okay, well, if this is the most efficient way to get me in front of my target audience, well, how do I get more, more leads? Right. How do and I scale it? How do you scale it? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the challenges with SEO is it's kind of mystical and it's, it's, well, I hire somebody to do SEO, but you know, if I'm not getting results, well, what's the problem? Yeah. So I want to touch on that in a second. Let's, we'll talk about outsourcing. Um, one thing I want to touch on though, is before the podcast, we were talking about what's your spend like per marketing channel. Would you mind sharing what, you know, the breakdown 2021, where your money was going? Yeah. Get context. 2021, I was doing about a thousand dollars a month in SEO. Uh, toward the end of the year, I did bump it to fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, with paid search, I was doing about three thousand a month, twenty five hundred, three thousand dollars a month in spend. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the interesting thing in early twenty twenty one, the results were they weren't that great, and I was trying to figure out why. Um, and part of it was, you know, we had record low inventory. I mean, I mean, there was almost no houses on the market. But what I was able to determine by looking at some KPIs was is that I needed new I needed new people. I needed uh, a new SEO company and I needed a new paid search guy. Um, 
and that's what I needed to, to get better results. Um, so, and you know, these very simple cost per lead, cost per deal, um, and conversion ratio is really what I used. Yeah. And you wouldn't have known that had you not been tracking. What was, what were your close ratios like on SEO versus PPC versus direct mail? Do you know that? Yeah. My close ratio was one in seven and a quarter on, um, SEO. And then it was one in 12 on paid search. Hmm. Um, I think direct mail was like, you know, I spent, uh, I spent like 10 grand and I got one deal. So I'm in (laughs) didn't make that much sense. And, you know, there's a concept that is used on the carrot carrot website about evergreen marketing versus hamster wheel. The reason Mm -hmm. why I like the hamster wheel analogy is because the thing about direct mail, you're constantly pulling lists, you're constantly uh, going through data, there's skip tracing, you know, you actually have to select the type of piece that you're going to send out, you have to pay for it, but it's this ongoing thing that I have to be involved in. And I, you know, the I am notorious for starting things and not finishing them. So yeah. you can say anything you want about direct mail, but it's not the best fit for me because I just don't want to be involved in turning that hamster wheel every month. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I want to be buying houses. Yeah, and so so two things I want to kind of dig into before we move on is, is one, before we recorded the podcast, you were talking about um, like SEO is your bread and butter for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's predictable. It's consistent. You're you're getting your best leads from there. But it's also important to realize uh, you don't want to build your business on a three-legged stool. And by that, we mean fully relying on one marketing method, putting all your eggs in one basket can mm-hmm. be a little bit scary. And so yeah. you've got SEO, you've got your pay-per-click going, and you've got, are you still doing some direct mail, right? I'm still doing some direct mail. I experimented with some Facebook advertising. You know, I'll buy some some stuff from uh, wholesalers, sometimes on the MLS. So you have kind of these alternative strategies as well. Um, but yeah, I do like to have multiple sources to find mm-hmm. deals, not just one. Yeah. So without, so you had mentioned set one and what is it, seven and a half, seven and a quarter, one and seven and a quarter mm-hmm. uh, SEO leads that you're closing. That's very respectable. That's some of the best. Mm-hmm. So we see about, I'd say average about one in 10 for SEO leads to a mm-hmm. deal. Uh, PPCs, one to 10, one to 20, somewhere in that range, usually closer mm-hmm. to 20. Direct mail cold calling, you start getting up into the 40s and above. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot of leads to sift through. So without, without turning this into a sales negotiation podcast, you had mentioned that your, your view on sales is a little bit different. Is there mm-hmm. anything different that you're doing because these are SEO leads or are you handling them differently? Like, what's that like? The way I, I handle my sales is I have two, basically, I, I have experience, hands-on experience in corporate selling and two different types of selling. One is something called ISR, which is inside sales. And really inside sales is you never meet your prospect or who is on the phone. It's all the other B2B. thing about Yeah, B2B. The other thing about inside sales is involving outbound cold calling, uh, which it's very aggressive, it's very tactical in nature, um, and it's very pushy. Um, now, you have very low conversion rates. Um, that's where a lot of your your tactical questioning comes from. Like, if I were to pay cash and close Friday, what's the least you'll take? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, when I went into another type of selling, which was enterprise sales, this was where our minimum contract was about $100,000. Um, we I worked for a Microsoft partner and what we did was we configured an existing uh, project, Microsoft project, because it was so large and complex and the organizations was so large. The first call was, all right, we don't know what we need. What do you think we need? 
And there would be usually about a six month to a year sales cycle. And there was a lot of talk around, well, what is it that we need and what's it going to cost? Um, now, in enterprise sales, I, there was a total absence of this tactical selling style. So mm-hmm. what I did with these SEO leads is I found that people were more relationship oriented. They weren't concerned with price. They really wanted service and trust. And I dispensed with a lot of selling tactics and just talked to them like human beings. I uh, whittled down my sales process to keep it very, very simple. And I found that it worked. Hmm. That's that's really interesting. I had never thought about, um, I asked that question, not knowing or expecting does your sales uh, strategy or technique change based on the type of marketing that you're doing. But from mm-hmm. what you're saying, it does. And it sounds like the opposite would be true to where if you took that strategy and applied it to cold calling, I would imagine that it would fail. It wouldn't be, if it was treating it relationship-based and a little bit more relaxed, less tactical, would you agree or no? Um. I would have a reservation. I would say it depends. Um, the thing about outbound cold calling, it's a different style. Um, when I was in inside sales and I was actually working for a Google partner and it was actually, I was selling paid search to auto dealers. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's one of the reasons why I'm so comfortable with paid searches. I kind of have an idea of if it's not working, it's usually something, uh, the manager you have, the campaign, there's usually something else that's going on that's causing it's it. Not, not it's not the platform, it's not right. the platform itself. Uh, but what I learned is you had people with two different styles. You had your real aggressive outbound cold callers talk very fast. They were very pushy. And then you had some laid back people that were a little more relationship oriented. They took their time. I think that this more of a laid back approach, I think in the long run, it's more effective. And you will see mm-hmm. that that style in someone like Chris Voss and never split the difference. He was a hostage negotiator. Um, he, I think selling has, uh, it's evolved over time and the theories behind it are starting to change. Um, I do think that there are different types of products that are sold. Uh, for example, one of my favorite books is Spin Selling, and one of their their basic premises was you had um, features and benefits selling for things like coffee and watches and trinkets and stuff under a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Then you had these six figure plus type sales where um, they're more complex. There's less features and benefits, almost no features and benefits. And what they did in the book is you see two things: you see a, uh, an ad for a digital watch, which is all features and benefits, and then you see an ad for a Rolex, which is no features and benefits because it's a different product for a different market. I think that real estate is more toward the enterprise space where it's a more complex transaction. You're dealing with high dollar amounts. There's plenty of room for the transaction to fall apart. So I think it does lend itself to a little bit more enterprise style, relationship style selling. Mm, That's that's my opinion based on my experience. And one thing I noticed is that when I was doing cold calling, my no-show rate for appointments was over 90% because people, mm-hmm. it didn't matter what you told them. They weren't listening because they get hammered with, with these types of um, yeah with these types of calls all the time. But with anything inbound, when they're coming to me, especially when they're coming to me via uh, SEO, they're much more serious about yeah. what they want to do. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the higher conversion rate and the, the style of selling. Yeah, that makes sense. That's helpful context. And really all things aside, it's like trust still trumps uh, tactic at the end of the day, regardless of which marketing yes. channel. The trust and relationship always come before the tactic, regardless of what mm-hmm. type of selling you're doing. Before we hit record, you mentioned you spent 11 grand on Facebook ads and mm-hmm. didn't get a deal. What did you learn from that? 
Uh, what I learned from that is that I got a lot of leads. So I think I got about 53 or 50 leads or something like that. I got two contracts, but both of the contracts had title problems. So that's what really stopped me from buying the houses. Um, now, once I saw $11,000 and I saw there were no deals, I paused the campaign because even if I closed one of those contracts, that would have put my cost per deal at $11,000, which is too high. Um, what attracted me to Facebook is that the cost to generate a lead is under $100. It could be $40 or $50. So I saw it as a more cost-effective way to advertise my business. Um, what I learned is that people from Facebook are very top of the funnel. So um, if you're going to do Facebook and you're a self-employed person and you're just, you know, you're running the show, it's going to be a lot of more, more work and follow up. Um, mm -hmm. It's much more long range. Um, the way I am in my business, I don't have that kind of time anymore. So I do have some plans on maybe doing some more Facebook this year, but the follow up is going to be handled by someone else. I'm and you're talking about follow up with the leads, not yeah. even just managing the campaign, not the Facebook campaign. Oh yeah. I don't manage any campaigns, any marketing campaigns. I manage the manager. Hmm. So, so, so let's talk about that. Yeah. So, SEO. A lot of people, you know, some people are going to listen to this podcast and say, yeah, I'm going to dive into it myself. And awesome. I think, you know, there's not a right or wrong either way, but um, a lot of people are going to listen to this and say, okay, I want to outsource my SEO. And that's okay too. But the the most important thing is to understand the marketing channel, the marketing platform enough to know how to manage the manager before you, mm -hmm. you know, start spending money. So yeah. I say that. What's your experience been like outsourcing SEO? And for for context, like what was your, your you didn't have a lot of SEO knowledge coming in. Mm -hmm. You sort of learned it. What's what did the outsourcing journey look like for you? Um, I started out in the early teens with a VA that was doing a lot of spammy stuff, um, and that was not very effective. Um, then um, I would say later on, once I joined Carrot, there were plenty of coaching calls where Adrian at the time, he would discuss SEO strategy. Um, and that's, I kind of learned a lot of it from him. Um, and I noticed that, you know, trying to learn about SEO from books really wasn't effective because hmm. uh, it was just too general. It was like, well, how do you create great content to get people to link to? And I remember I talked to Adrian about this and he said, well, when you start out with a We Buy Houses website, a lot of people don't want to link to you because their impression is that you're the low bowler that's going to rip people off. So they don't want to link to you. Um, mm -hmm. And that's one of the problems. So you had to kind of build your own foundation by creating your own content that you create and link back to your own website and sort of build that out. Sometimes they call it tiered link building or link pyramids um, mm -hmm. and use that in conjunction with some more organic, natural, uh, some guest posting and some other strategies to get... Uh, a real good strategy going. Um, I would say yeah. that to manage the manager, you need to find someone that specializes in not just real estate SEO, but real estate SEO for real estate investors. Hmm. The problem is since our industry is very traditionally minded and wants to do networking and postcards and motor mouth and all that stuff, our industry is not spending money on SEO. So there's not a lot of incentive for an SEO to focus on our, on our industry. The people that are spending the money on SEO are e-commerce websites. So a lot of the companies out there, are their main focus is e-commerce. 
So you had someone like Adrian who was a wholesaler and had some buy and hold properties and he had he did his, all his own SEO and then gradually he developed an SEO company on the side. Generally speaking, those are the people that you need, but they are very difficult to find. They're the unicorns. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you hired a VA and mm-hmm. they were doing some spammy stuff. Did you know it was spammy at the time or was it like, then you learned something from Adrian and you're like, oh, that stuff wasn't working. Um, yeah, it wasn't working at the time. Um, and I think I, I had talked to someone else that was in the SEO world. And when he started to look at the reports, he said, yeah, you know, this is spammy. And the other thing is he was using a lot of the tactics that we used in the 2000s when you could kind of stuff keywords and um, just like buy a domain and then point it back to your domain kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And then just put respin content. And it was just uh, the, the craftsmanship wasn't very good. Yeah, we talked about that on a podcast earlier yeah. this month with Brian, where it's like Google over the years, thankfully, has made it harder to gamify it. Um, yeah. It's harder to gamify SEO and it's becoming more human, more natural. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had mentioned that you were spending uh, you were spending about a thousand on SEO and then you'd bumped mm-hmm. it up to fifteen hundred. What's that? What does that mean? Like, what are you getting for that money? What's what's the work involved? How does that change? You're building links. So really what you're doing is, well, there's two things with SEO. There's on-page and then there's off-page. A lot of SEO companies will not touch on-page. And on-page is really going to be the the copy and what keyword density you have on your page is relevant to what the person is typing in. Interesting. You said a lot of SEO companies won't touch your on-page. Correct. They just want to do backlink building. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. And it might be a liability thing, like you know, once you start touching someone's website, is it going to break? Um, and you'd be surprised yeah. how many SEOs that did do on page. They said, "Oh, you work with Carrot? Well, who owns the website? Well, they own it. What happens if they go out of business? What happens if this? What?" Ha-? And I'm like, "Dude, just just do it. <laughs> what, what's the problem?" I'm like, "I already had a website. Then I'm the one that's responsible for the plugins and when things break. And I don't want to be responsible for that stuff. That's a bigger risk than." Yeah. Right. That's a bigger risk than wondering about what if carrot, you know, is what if I, yeah, it's a lot to manage. <laughs> yeah. And that's why a lot of investors throw their hands up because they're like, Hey, I'm not an SEO guy. What's the problem? Get it done. And then they're five grand, 10 grand in the hole and they have nothing to show for it. I kind of understand. It. Um, so yeah. one of the reasons why due to the many algorithm updates that we've seen over the last couple of years, I've always stuck with SEO because the results were always there. I could always look back and say, what are my best deals? As they came to my website through SEO. They're the highest margins, the best conversion rates. Therefore, this is a good channel. How do we get the best results possible at the lowest cost possible? Um, hmm. But you had asked me a question. I think I digressed a little bit. Um, um, oh, yeah. Off page. Okay. So with link building, really what it what it's doing is someone's writing an article and they're they're have a link and they're pointing to your website. So um, yeah. the way it was described to me is like. Picture link building like a soccer game where um, there's a bunch of players passing around a ball. And every time uh, a player gets a pass to them, that's like a link. It's a pointer saying this guy knows what he's doing. Um, with Google, the way it was explained and you know, there's been a lot of changes is it used to be, well, the person that's the most authoritative is the person that gets the most passes. Um, and it used to be in the early days of the search engines in the late nineties, you know, when you typed in something and you got a, a bunch of search results, you had to scroll back to page two and three to figure out what you were looking for. And the search results were garbage. So one of the things about page rank, as it was explained to me, is that um Google started to look, well, let's not concentrate on who's getting the most passes. 
who not only who is getting the most passes, but who are they passing the ball to? So who are the best best player passing the ball to? And then you started to look at things in a little bit uh, different light. So to bring that back, I mean, to get a backlink from like a local news website or a university, those have a lot of authority. Those are very valuable. They're also very difficult to get. Um, And that, that, that in lines, that's where the art form comes in is how do you get the most, uh, the most valuable backlinks? The highest value. And because the thing is you could either buy it outright or you could hire somebody to go and ask for a backlink, but either way it costs money. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how do you do this without spending ten thousand dollars a month? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Some of the yeah. problem you have to hire someone that knows what they're doing, can do it affordably, and knows how to do it for our industry specifically. Exactly. Like, how do you hire the best real estate agent? Well, there's tens of thousands of them all over the country. I mean, you have to whittle yeah. it down and maybe go through four or five of them until you find the right one. Um, yeah. And, you know, for the most part, that's kind of how it is. That makes sense. So so for context, for people listening, you've already got your on-page dialed in. Your website has been dialed in for a while. So most of the SEO money you're spending is going to backlink building to further increase your, you know, hold your SEO rankings. Um, Who's doing, who's handling your SEO right now? Uh, The guys that I met at Carrot Camp. So um, SEO meets real estate investing. Uh, SEO. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook group, go to Facebook, search SEO meets real estate investing. Yeah, yeah. And we'll link Keith, it up in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, that's Keith Sant and Andy Kalaji. So they they handle both on and off page for me. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear they're working for you. Awesome dudes, really know their stuff. Um, you can, I believe, you could find Andy's backlink building service in the Carrot Marketplace. So if you guys are a Carrot yes. member, marketplace.carrot.com, Andy's backlink service in there, or you can look at the Facebook group uh, and learn from Keith and Andy. We're gonna wrap this up here. Anybody listening, if you want to dive deeper into SEO. Or if you missed our episodes earlier in the month where we talk about the strategy of SEO and why you might want to get into it, um, we've got like a ton of resources, all of our resources on SEO at carrot.com slash SEO. And so you can go check it out there, just dive down the rabbit hole with us. Um, If you have any questions, any comments, anything uh, you'd like to hear on the podcast, or you have a question for myself or Mike, uh, hit me up, Brady at carrot.com. I'd love to hear from you. We'll talk about it on our next podcast. Um, Mike, anything else you want to address before we wrap it up here? Any last final words? Sure. If anybody has any questions for me, you can reach me on my Instagram at Mike underscore Otranto. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Yes. I'm sorry. Me. I forgot to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can exactly. See what I'm, I'm actually him. buying houses by what I post on my Instagram. Yeah. And give Mike a backlink as a thank you for listening to this episode. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. Appreciate the conversation. It's been good. Everybody, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next week.